Welcome back to Are You a Fan, where we explore individual characters from your favorite sci-fi, action, and fantasy genres. A big thank you to Moonbound Productions for supporting today's episode. If you would like to express your support, please like and share the show. Here's your hosts, Dick Rail and Joker. Hi, folks. Welcome to Are You a Fan? With a question mark. If you like the episode, give us a like, follow, heck, maybe even subscribe and send it to a friend. So, for this week, I got a question for you, Joker. So, If you could pick, which would you rather be? A hero, an anti-hero, or a straight-up villain? So, knowing how I tend to play my characters in D&D, I, I definitely could not be a hero. I, I don't have that mentality. So, at, at minimum, I'd be an anti-hero. I, I'm not good enough to be the hero. But I have my moments where I am dark enough mentally... I could very easily be a decent villain. And see, my, my thing is, like, I would strive to be a hero. I'd want to be a hero. Because, you know, people are like, heroes don't kill. Thor kills all the time, and he's a hero. I, I think I could manage it. But yeah, I, Wonder Woman kills. Wonder Woman kills. But I feel like it would definitely be the level of Deadpool wanting to be recognized as a hero, and me just being like, what I like? I saved the people. Who cares if I destroyed an entire freeway to do it? And then I guarantee, if I did become a hero, the slightest inconvenience, like traffic, would send me spiraling into villainy. Yep. Slight inconvenience and villain. That's exactly how my <laughs> arc would go. So that being said, let's get into this week's character. Uh, we're going to be talking about Peacemaker most recently known for his role in Suicide Squad, being played by John Cena. But we're going to be getting into the comics history. So let's get going. Let's start out with Real World. The Peacemaker first appeared as a backup series in Charlton Comics' espionage-team title, Fight in Five, number 40 in November 1966. Which, uh, wow, definitely an old character. And he definitely is, and for as little comic-wise he actually has, it's amazing he's still getting stuff and still around. Because right. even by from what I've seen from DC, he has not really had a lot of, up until pretty much the year of Suicide Squad, he kind of just disappeared. Which, honestly, I always say that that's why I appreciate characters like him and Polka Dot Man being brought into live action and being having them do stuff with because they can kind of, because there's so little to the character, they're just like, you know what? We can kind of take them wherever we want. Yeah. Which is kind of a brilliant strategy on, you know, their, their part for making live action. Definitely. So when that series was originally canceled with issue number 41, Peacemaker received his own title lasting five issues, cover dated from March to November of 1967 with Fightin' Five as a backup series and later a low reprint run on the Modern Comics imprint. Which, you know, not the shortest run we've seen with our characters that we've done. Actually, it's a good question. We need to figure that out. What has been the shortest one? To be completely honest, I think he is the shortest. Because for the most part, before DC, he's really only seemed to have had less than 10 comics. Depending on how short that series was or how many comics actually came out between March and November so far he seems to be the smallest actual comic run for having his own comics yes yeah (laughs) 
that because when it gets into the villains who just get thrown in for the heroes, that gets a whole that becomes a whole different. Oh thing. yeah, but yeah. But, for having his own title, he seems so far to be the smallest. Huh. Him or maybe Polka Dot Man, but I don't think he actually had his own comic. No, like he, he was, was thrown in. He was the thrown-in villain one. So, uh, okay, well, some of Penciler, Inker, Pat Boyas, Boyet's artwork for a projected sixth issue would later appear online. There we go. I got that one. <laughs> oh, which, one of these days, I am going to have to go online and actually read that one. Which would be fun, because I'd also like to see his actual original, like, five-issue cover. Yeah, see what he was actually about back in the day. <laughs> Especially because his costume did not change whatsoever from his original five cu- his five issues to the movie. Which was awesome, because, yeah, what you see in the movie is his costume. Which is a lot of times whenever they're bringing characters from comics into, you know, films... Sometimes the comics can, or sometimes the costume can change pretty drastically. Oh, and it really can. Like, which sometimes I don't blame them. Could you imagine if the X-Men were in, like, like Cyclops was in a skin blue tight leotard? Honestly, I still kind of want them to make a X-Men accurate uh, movie. Because I'd like to see Wolverine. Okay, Wolverine. In the blue and yellow. Okay, Wolverine's would. I mean, if you did it right, it could look cool. Oh, exactly. I could also see them botching it. Oh, they, and they probably would. But that's also why I like a lot of the Suicide Squad movies, because both of them, they've been, for the most part, with a lot of their actor or their characters, they've been fairly accurate, like Captain Boomerang, Deadshot. They're very similar to what they looked like in the comics. Which was nice. I, I did appreciate that. Well, following Charlton Comics' demise in the mid-1980s, DC Comics would acquire The Peacemaker and release a four-issue miniseries from January to April of 1988. And a fun fact with that acquisition, he was acquired alongside both Blue Beetle and The Question, which we slightly talked about back on The Questions episode. Which, honestly, though, like, because I remember when those characters were purchased, the main intent was they were purchased to do Watchmen. And that was one of the big ones. Like Blue, yep. like Blue Beetle was supposed to be, I think, uh, was supposed to be the Owl. Um, question was supposed to be Rorschach, and I think, uh, I think our fellow character here was supposed to be the comedian. Which honestly, after what we've seen of the character in the movies and even doing some research here, he would have fit that role pretty well. Oh, definitely. Like, would not have been a stretch for the character. Yep. And it was also a good acquisition because at the time for Charlton Comics, um, Peacemaker was actually one of their top heroes. He was so popular, he became kind of one of their top heroes of their brand. Which, well, like when you think of DC, you think automatically to Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. So he would. This yeah. would have been one of those like trio members to that comic brand. Dang, that, which that's impressive. That's Im- especially considering how little. Like, even Blue Beetle's gotten more than this guy. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, that that's quite impressive. Uh, Peacemaker would make his DC debut in Crisis on Infinite Earths, issue number six, in 1985. So, yeah, how question Blue Beetle got brought in along with all the other guys that they acquired. I remember that. They definitely used the Crisis event. Like, that is their goat. Like, how do we bring this in? Yeah, and that's that like open the crisis button. 
pretty much. I mean, it's the easiest way to hit the reset, bring in the new characters, colliding with different yeah. realities and Earths. It's it's honestly it, it is a quick and easy writing plot to do so. It, it really is, and it also lets you like what happened with most of the characters that get brought brought in through the crisis events. Their backstories get slightly changed to fit the narrative of the new brand. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. There are a few characters I've seen where they literally, they have them be, like, aware that it's changed, which I think is cool, but Peacemaker is not one of them. Yeah, no, there's only a very small, like, you can count in one hand the amount of characters that are actually aware that the crisis events happen. Yep. Uh, okay, uh, so, folks, that's kind of it for real-world stuff. Let's get into the in-universe. So, as we slightly alluded to in the last bit of our conversation... He will have two different kind of origin stories because his origins from Charlton Comics was slightly different when DC changed it when they acquired him. Yep, uh, which my co-host Joker here is the one who mostly did the research on the Charlton Comics. Like I, I It was tough enough to figure out some of the DC information on this guy. He's like, yeah, I got this all from one video on YouTube. So I wasn't even a lot because I couldn't find anything on his backstory and from Charlton Comics. Gee, uh, well, let's get into it. Charlton Comics. Christopher Smith was an only child whose father was an army officer and his mother was a scientist. And that was all they gave for his parents. There's no names, no nothing. Wow, that's... Like, it was... Like, hey, this is what your parents were. This is how you kind of have your traits. Because he was very much a a Tony Stark almost with military training. Oh, okay. he had the brains of, of Stark and the ability to do the scientist stuff. So almost like if uh, Tony Stark and Captain America had a baby. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, as an adult, he would be a pacifist diplomat who was a U.S. peace envoy for the Geneva Arms Conference. Like he was a very hardcore pacifist. Which, you know, that's, that's actually kind of a cool... Con- it's, he's definitely gonna <laughs> fight the opposite direction recently. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, while trying to stop... While trying to stop uh, Bork, who was rumored to be illegally selling weapons to start border wars in South America he would realize that diplomatic means wouldn't be enough to stop Bork. Ah, there it goes. The, uh, yeah, that was kind of what kind of started him on the path of peacemaker. It's always the whole, like, um, you know, if you're harmless, you're not a pacifist. Yep. And he would essentially take up the man, the, the thought process of, as he would take up the role of peacemaker, he would use violence only when it was the only possible option. Like, if there was nothing else he could do peacefully, he would go to the violence. It was kind of that, that philosophy of only violence can beat violence. Mm, or which, fire, fire with fire. Which honestly is not untrue. It's, it, it can be in good in the correct situations. It, it is always one of those, like, it should only be used as a last resort. But if it's being used as a last resort, it's there's a purpose for yep. it. Like, like I yeah, like I agree with the whole, you know, violence should never be your first response. It's it's honestly a, a way to look at like when in World War II the US dropped the A bombs. Yeah. It was their last resort to prevent I honestly at this point I don't even know if it would have prevented more deaths, but it would have prevented more it would prevented more American deaths. 
Yeah, yeah it probably killed a lot more people than would have died, but it was the same concept of where we chose that as the last option, and this is how he views violence as altogether. Okay, fair, fair. Okay, so we got a fun fact here. While being an extreme pacifist, he had an arsenal of the most dangerous and deadly weapons in the world, but swore to never use them. Yeah, so remember when I talked about him being like Tony Stark? Yeah. He was that kind of a weapons manufacturer. Like, he had, like, weapons of mass destruction in his basement behind a large iron door. Uh, Yeah, he was, for being this pacifist, like, the guy, the video I watched, the guy was brought up, was like, okay, so if you're an extreme pacifist, why'd you even make these? What was the point? Last resort? (laughs) Okay, so uh, let's get into his DC comics. So, one thing that they did keep was his first name. Uh, Christopher would be the son of Austrian industrialist Wolfgang Schmidt and American author Elizabeth Lewis. He would be born in New York City, but he would be raised in Austria. Which, by all technicalities, makes him a U.S. citizen. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he was born in the U.S. Yep. Well, it's like, let's fly over to the U.S., have him be born, and we're, mo- we're going right back. Uh, as we slightly start to get into the little bit of his dad, yep. we know why he's in the U.S. Okay, yeah. His father committed suicide in 1955 after secrets about his past in the war came to light. He was an officer in the elite Nazi SS Corps, had commanded a concentration camp in Poland, being responsible for over 50,000 deaths. Yeah, his, his dad was... Uh, a horrible, horrible human being. I always love because I, 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 well, I don't love, but <laughs> I always find, find, I always forget how many of the Nazis fleed to South America. Or just in general to other countries. Yeah. Like, because like this one fl- fled to America. Yep. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things you always forget, like how many did slip through the cracks. It's way too many. Yeah. But, you know, this, this one apparently eventually got found. Yep, and well, well, while Chris was five years old, he would witness this event, which traumatized him, and the trauma would later define his entire life and his relation with his father. I mean, I don't you have much of a relation with your father anymore, you know, because you're five and he's dead. But <laughs> but I imagine that would uh, sear it into your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so uh, can you tell us about your dad? I can tell you what his brains looked like. <laughs> Have you ever seen what human brains look like splattered on a wall? Because I have, <laughs> and I was five. <laughs> okay, so Elizabeth returned to the United States with her son and changed her name to Smith to avoid connections with Wolfgang. Which, you know, makes sense, because obviously you don't want to have a connection to someone like that from their past or, you know, the fact that you commit suicide. Yeah, no, no, no. There, there's a lot of reasons to change the name and just kind of oh, yeah. go about your existence. But it was also kind of a cool way for them to fit him back to his original name from Charlton Comics, too. Which is actually, yeah, that's pretty unique. I'll, get, I'll give him creative uh, credit on that. Right. So Christopher having a difficulty, uh, had difficulty fitting in and became rebellious and aggressive, you know, like a lot of teens do. Of course. But even more when you have that kind of trauma from your childhood. Um, he would begin to see visions of his father in his SS uniform. Speaking directly to him, Wolfgang would urge Chris uh, to excel in academics to be worthy of his legacy, which he would. Yep, and thus 
Well, I guess not started, but I think it started when he watched his dad blow his brains out, but uh, thus starts his mental decline and illness. Yep, which slowly just got worse and worse and worse. As we will be <laughs> mentioning it throughout. Okay, so we got Vietnam War. The day he turned 18, Christopher enlisted in the Army, which seemed to have a positive influence on him. In a couple of years, he would be recognized as an excellent soldier. So, yeah, no, which I could see military actually kind of helping him out uh, as far as discipline. I mean, gives him discipline, gives him structure. Gives him a direction. Exactly. It's one of those, it's the reason it helps a lot of troubled youth in general is it's not a... Not a great option, but it's a better option than what some of these kids could choose. It's a better option. Like, it's kind of given, you know, depending on your money and your social stat- status and life and that, it's the best option that some have. Oh, yeah. And for him, it uh, worked well. well it, it worked out in the beginning. <laughs> like, like most of our heroes. <laughs> uh, so the war would be in its final days when Smith was assigned for his first tour and would be promoted to sergeant. Okay, so 10 months into his tour and after an error from military intelligence, which suspected a village to be harboring North Vietnamese troops and urged on by the voice of his father. There, here we go again with the mental, mental stuff. Uh, Christopher Smith inadvertently massacred a village full of innocent old men, women, and children. So he would, after this event, he would be court-martialed and sentenced to twenty years in life to in twenty years to life in Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. His mother died while he was in jail. Because you know they have to to really set off a hero into being a hero. They have to have both your parents dead usually. Exactly. That's why I'm not. That's why I'm not a hero in that one of them's still breathing on me. <laughs> So, now we move into Project Peacemaker. So, near the end of his second year in prison, Christopher would be offered a pardon, uh, provided he would work with the U.S. government on a project, uh, which would be codenamed Project Peacemaker, which was an elite secret police force that uh, would fight terrorism. And urged by urged on by the voice of his father, Chris would accept and excel in his training. As you know, of course. Yeah. That... And he's already had the military training. You've already kind of started his training there. Which, I mean, that's always kind of the more brilliant thing, I think, is like, because some people are like, why, why is it always military guys in that? It's like, because they've already been through basics. Like, they're already trained fighting and killing machines. Well, that, and then you think about it, you pulling a military guy from prison. At this point, he's expendable. Yeah, true. Like, he, he, he is the perfect thing for the future Suicide Squad. Yeah, he actually, yeah, entirely. Because it's not like they're sending him back out on regular missions. Exactly. So, so I mean, if he dies, he dies. Yeah. If he <laughs> dies, he dies. So, okay. So the program would be shut down eight months later before it could really start, but Christopher would be freed anyway. Wow, that sounds like somebody just didn't want to do paperwork. I don't remember, because I remember hearing a little bit about it. I think it was just something that never really took off the way they wanted it to. And they're like, we don't really need this anymore. And then I guess Chris literally just kind of slipped out the back unnoticed. So he wasn't even really freed, but since he already got the pardon, he was free to go essentially. 
Because, I mean, I guess for the technicality of, like, well, we gave him the pardon. And he did do the work with us. We just didn't really go anywhere with the project. So I guess uh, we're going to turn over here. (laughs) We're going to look the other way, you know, like the U.S. government does. And, you know, just don't be here when we turn back. (laughs) That's exactly how it sounds. It went down. Okay, so... So Christopher would return a year later to Austria to head his father's business. He would change uh, change the main production lines from ammunition and weaponry to household appliances. Now a millionaire, he would live the life and eventually settle in Switzerland. You know what better place to hide out than the Swiss Alps? Yep, especially when you're a millionaire. I'd live there. Honestly, hell yeah. I mean, I kind of want to live there anyways. Same. I've, want, millionaire, but... I've always wanted to kind of like at least visit it. I would and, love to go live and visit the Nordic areas up there, Switzerland, Norway, all those plant uh, countries. I just en- I just enjoy Switzerland, like just a lot of yeah. concepts of Switzerland too. Yeah, because you know it's a flag; it's a big plus. <laughs> God, <that's> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I got. <laughs> So he founded the Pax Institute in Geneva, a charity dedicated to helping victims of war and terrorism, which, you know, being ex-military and being a billionaire, that does that does make a lot of sense as to why, like, how that he would fill, you know. Yep. And, you know, the terrorism part, because he was in a group that was being created to fight terrorism. So it was like he saw the bad of everything that came out. Especially since he was kind of part of that bad in Vietnam. <laughs> yep. And uh, kind of, you know, a nice little redemption for him. And that, which is nice. It's a, He said, you know, honestly, from comic to uh, to movies, I'm like, I'm like this, is a, this guy sounds a lot nicer in the comics. Right. Even with the whole Nazi ghost father. <laughs> oh, yeah. So in the capacity of chairman, he would start his own project peacemaker. His goal of peace he would wish to achieve uh, in two ways. In a civilian guise with the charity and as, and as the mass peacemaker. Peacemaker, a one-man army with high-tech weapons, became an important part of his life and his father's spirit kept harassing him to become more and more extreme. Which his mental illness also became worse and he thought the souls of those he could not save lived within his helmet. Which, from what I understand, that's actually a big thing in these comics is... Like oh. either people he couldn't save or just people that died around him. Yep, that's but, a it's only okay. I guess funny's not the right word, but it's as close as I want to get. It's a little funny to think about like uh what was her name from the first Suicide Squad movie who had the was it Katana? Was that her name? Yeah. Jeez, goddamn it, DC, get it together. Uh but Katana's <laughs> literal Katana actually does absorb the souls of those it kills. And I just find the parallels funny of this guy being like, like, oh, your sword does that? My helmet does it. And just her looking at him, looking at the helmet and just being like, Does it though? You're mentally... (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, it does, buddy. It does. (laughs) Just a weird comparison I've noticed. During during the crisis on Infinite Earths, Peacemaker battled the ant... Anti-monitors, shadow demons in Philadelphia, alongside the cyborg, the vigilante, wildcat, and son of Vulcan, Vulcan during the battle. Peacemaker suffered a debilitating head injury 
the damage to his brain may have pushed him over the edge into insanity. Which, I mean, that one definitely seems to be kind of up to interpretation of when exactly it happened. Because there are some, something that I saw where it took longer, somewhere it happened then. Like, it, it definitely seems to be all over the place. Which, you know, like, it's also one of those, like, that was what pushed him to insanity. It's like, mm, didn't need a big push. Yeah, no. <laughs> it was just kind of that slight nudge, like, oh, you're over. Okay. Yep. Kind of like you becoming a villain. Yeah. Like, slight yeah. inconvenience, and nope, he's done. Yeah, one day I'm going <laughs> to hook my, my belt on a door handle, and right. I'm just going to arson. Just arson. I, I hate that yeah. so much. So, after the agency, which was a... If I remember correctly, it was a U.S. government um, group. Yes. Uh, after they figured out his secret identity, Peacemaker would be shanghaied into service. Uh, agency chairman Valentina Vostok used his services and saw to it that he went to therapy with Dr. Bridget Diabo uh, to temper his psychological problems. Which, because, you, you know, know, at least they tried to help him. Uh, yeah, I mean, of. granted, in a selfish way, but at least it's better than Amanda Waller, who just straight up puts a bomb in your head and is like, do the thing or I push the button. Yeah. Like, Which is funny because she's who comes up next. Oh, uh, yeah. After that, yep. After that, Amanda Waller recruited him in the Shadow Fighters. Their mission was to rescue a girl in Parador. The Shadow Fighters fared badly against Eclipso, who had taken over the country. While piloting a helicopter, Peacemaker was brought down. The entire team was reported killed in action. Smith's apparent spirit showed up in purgatory during Day of Judgment. Huh. You know, he actually kind of... From what it seems like, he died originally, supposedly, pretty early on in his DC Comics history. Apparently. Wow, that was a, an anticlimactic. But, so, also, kind of a fun fact, while Christopher was considered dead, two other people, both League Busters and Mitchell Black, would take up the mantle of Peacemaker. So they kind of kept him going. Just, uh... And then I, I know he did eventually make some kind of return, but I did not read into that, because... That's not what this show is about. <laughs> yep. Nope. I heard about it. I saw it too. But yeah, once again, I also didn't go into it because yeah, we're trying to do their origins and yep. which, you know, uh, you know kind of like we did with Hawkeye when they died, that's a pretty good stopping point. Yep. <laughs> so things you know, get very convoluted after characters get brought back from death. We've seen considering with a few characters, we've unfortunately had to push past after the death to get to what we were going for. Yep. Oh, flash. So, yeah, no, that's uh, Peacemaker. Let's get into the powers and abilities. Well, before we get into that, just thinking of Peacemaker, he kind of reminds me of all the memes and jokes we have about America, who is, you know, peace, you know, forcefully peaceful. Yeah. You know, it's like peace through superior firepower. We he, will- he is the embodiment, especially in the movie, he's the embodiment of America. We will show them <laughs> our peaceful ways through force. <laughs> Like, that's that's all I could think of, was just all those memes of, hey, America's peaceful. Yeah, with all their guns. Which is kind of funny, because <laughs> when uh, there was an interview I saw with uh, John Cena, where he was talking about playing Peacemaker, he's like, he's basically Captain America, but a douchebag. Huh, so like, uh, sh- Homelander. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. 
Yeah. Superman, but a douchebag. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Now let's get into some powers and abilities. So he's advanced in hand-to-hand combat. Couldn't really find anything that went into detail on that. But given, you know, ex-military, we could probably guess, you know, some form of jujitsu or depending on which branch he was in yeah most likely army so whatever hand-to-hand martial arts the army teaches most likely exactly uh he's also skilled in firearms which you know kind of goes without saying also he's a tactical strategist you know being ex-military even making a sergeant you have had to have some kind of strategic you know infield ability and skilled at driving and aviation and I feel like some of that, too, between the military, and I feel like that's also a nod back to his original backstory where his dad was military, and yeah. he learned piloting and stuff from him. Which is pretty cool. That, that's a pretty cool nod back to that. Right. So, yeah, and weakness, mentally ill. Which, and obviously all the other normal human of, we're yeah. very brittle people. That's Yeah, that's the other thing about this character. He isn't a metahuman. There is absolutely, he is... What I what I saw a lot of, he would be described as the f- physically fit, as fit as a person who did extreme exercising. Yes. And then so, like, CrossFit. Yeah, ba- basically. <laughs> like, he's the peak, he's at peak human capability. He's Batman. Yeah, he's basically, he's basically a Batman that kills. So, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the comic, yes. Okay. Well, I was also thinking, you know, the uh, Flashpoint Batman. Ooh. So, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> there. <laughs> okay, so we get into quip- equipment. So, first off, we start with his body armor, which is a uniform that is actually highly flexible and bulletproof fabric, which Chris would actually design himself. Oh, that's kind of cool. Another really fun one I found was his right glove has a vial that becomes a firebomb when crushed. Oh, like what? this dude, I guess if he's going, if he figures he's going to die, he's going to go out with a blaze of glory. Intended. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, blaze it would. <laughs> so, like, he, he was ready to go and he's going to take somebody with him. Uh, uh, honestly, admirable. Right. So then you got his helmet. You know, the most notable thing about him, you know, the short. The, the shiny toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Peacemaker's bulletproof helmet is able to produce a sonic burst that can leave enemies temporarily deaf. Uh, it also has sophisticated circuitry that w- works with various devices, including communications, surveillance equipment, and at one point apparently had a laser. Oh, that's kind of cool. They didn't really expand on that, but that was really like as it added in, and also at one point a laser. Not going to lie, <laughs> with all that other stuff, though, it kind of... Almost like the bulkiness of it almost makes sense, though. Oh, it definitely does now when you really think about it. It's right. Like, one, it's got to be fairly thick to be bulletproof. True. And then you got all the equipment that goes into it. It's like, yeah, it, it makes sense why it's bulky. Yeah. Like, it also makes me wonder what if there's a bunch of like circuitry in that like rim piece that stands up. That's kind of where I'm thinking yeah. it is. Like, like, why else would you just have that? Because like, other than that, it looks kind of stupid. Yeah, it just looks like somebody slapped, like hit him with a tube over the head and it just stuck. <laughs> right. So, uh, and apparently, as you, I guess it was really only seen in the comics. He has a jetpack, yeah, which showed up in his original first comic. Like it was seen in the comic, but God, I've never seen it since. Huh? Uh, and he would also have a fighter jet, which was a personal jet with missiles, machine guns, and an autopilot. You know, the normal fighter jet kind of stuff. Which also, makes sense. of course, he's got a jet. Yeah, I mean, also he's a billionaire playboy. I'm telling you, he's Batman. 
<laughs> he basically, yeah, he's basically just with some more trauma. Yeah, which is kind of a lot to say with Batman. It's kind of hard to believe, really. Right. But, I mean, I guess Batman never found out that his dad was a Nazi. So. Yeah, I guess I'll just take my parents dying in front of me to that. On top yeah. of dad dying in front of you. Yeah, exactly. We're we're just like we're like uh Peacemaker just had that one extra push. <laughs> Pretty much. Slane's like, my parents are dead, but they were decent people. Peacemaker's like, ha ah, I wish. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so now we got his very, very short other media section. Which I'm not even sure how to pronounce this first one. Um, so both the Christopher Smith and Mitchell Black incarnation of Peacemaker would appear in the video game Scribble Knots Unmasked, a DC Comics adventure. I got nothing. Yeah, I have no idea how to pronounce that. It, it almost looks like Scribble and Astronauts put together. A little bit, yep. We'll go um, with that. So that was something I've never even heard of until I looked at it or I saw that. Same. Um, so the Christopher Smith incarnation of Peacemaker would appear in the live-action DC Extended Universe, which is portrayed by John Cena, in both the 2021 movie The Suicide Squad and the HBO Max spinoff show Peacemaker that premieres January 13th, which is by the time this episode comes out, just a couple days away. Actually, I think it's like the next day. Woo! I'm going to be watching. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Like I am actually super excited for this. Because <laughs> at first, I was like, oh, I don't I don't remember hearing about it until after the movie, to be honest. Yeah. And even then, I was like, as I, as at first, I was like, eh, whatever. And the more I watched Suicide Squad, I was like, I actually kind of want to watch this now. Oh, Let's see yeah, what this no. is going to be. I got, the more I watched Suicide Squad, the more excited I got. And from what I've heard, it may, it seems like it may actually follow some of his origin story of how he kind of became who he is. Which would be pretty badass. Um, and unfortunately, so Peacemaker also would appear as an emote in the Fortnite Battle Royale game, and a potential skin was leaked in August of 2021. I'm really sad that that one even got brought up. I, yeah. I just do not like that game. Well, I guess uh, to end it all, uh, the question we always have to ask. Joker, are you a fan? Honestly, I'm a lot more of a fan of this than I thought I would be for as little as he is. And the fact that really the only reason we know him is the movie and a future spinoff series. I was going to say, for as little as I knew about him after doing the research, I'm a fan. He seems like a lot of fun. Hell yeah. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, a comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time, you're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails.